You can't handle the truth. You can't. <laughs> oh, we just threw we just threw the first prop out there. The first music uh music sound. Well, this is gonna be cool. All right, so we're here with um you know, we're here with Tech Sergeant Jose Sanchez. He's the NCOIC military justice out at the U.S. Air Force Academy. Um, so, you know, this is going to be an interesting, interesting discussion. Interesting discussion. Um, we're going to be talking about innovation and he's got, um, you know, he definitely has got some ideas out there. Um, that we're gonna explore so we've got quite a few we've got quite a few and hopefully you know i mean the intent for this is not to you know to say hey this is what we're doing or not doing but hopefully we can get the gears spinning the gears running and uh and people can you know go out run with it hopefully help us you know help everyone and make everything better um this is all under the premise of the you know some of the new guidance out there from the chief of staff of the air force general brown where his accelerate change or lose initiative so i think this is the perfect time for us to be discussing uh, innovation and the different things that we can do out there um to improve our processes but without further ado i want to you know just in introduce sergeant sanchez and have him tell us a little bit about himself and his journey in the air force so far oh so um so yeah i'm sergeant sanchez um a little bit about me uh, so paralegal, uh, pipeliner, right? So I came in straight into, uh, the air force as a paralegal. I was supposed to be a cop. That's what I signed my contract for. And, uh, I was going through uh, basic, I put legal somewhere down on my worksheet and, uh, I got asked if I wanted to be a paralegal kind of a couple weeks before graduating. And, uh, I said, yes. And so, um, flew off to Maxwell air force base instead of staying in Texas, you know, and, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I was a young buck um, and uh, tried to you know do it all and didn't think uh, didn't think I ever ran out of energy. I got to Buckley Air Force Base was my first duty assignment near Denver, um, and there's I worked there. I worked underneath uh, a couple good you know NCOs. I had a senior NCO for a little while, ending my tour there. Um, I, I lost my law office superintendent as well as my NCOIC of justice. So as a senior airman, I kind of ran the section uh, for a little while. And then I got my orders to RAF Mildenhall, United Kingdom, uh, where I got into the seat initially in Genlaw um, and took on a big 31-33 victim case, uh, which I had never seen in my life before. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I worked there for four years under uh, Sergeant Puma. Uh, which I'm sure the whole community probably knows his name by now, uh, but worked there uh, and then um, got finished with my tour there, made staff there, tested for tech, and then I showed up at the United States Air Force Academy um, where I, I was told I was going to uh, be the NCOIC of justice. And then a few months later, I was given the good news that I made tech and then uh, just been here ever since. <laughs> um, recently applied for a position in Germany and I got that. So. It was, it's been a, it's been a good go around during my uh, time in the air force. I met my wife in Denver um, and we got married and uh, right before we left England, we had my son. Um, and so he'll be two uh, at the end of this month. Um, and it's super, it's super cool to 
uh, have done as much as I have done um, in these past nine to 10 years. Uh, so I'm really grateful. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, that journey so far and it's just interesting that you go from Colorado to, to the UK, to Colorado, to the UK. <laughs> right. So I don't know how you do that, but that's pretty cool so far. And is that, I mean, are you happy with those two locations so far? Yeah, um, definitely happy. Um, I did, I didn't, I didn't know where Buckley was. I didn't even know I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I never, I think the most we ever went to was Chicago and Florida, I think was all I went to in Mexico when I was a little, little kid. But other than that, never went anywhere. So when I was like Buckley Air Force Base, Aurora, Colorado, where's that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I showed up and, you know, I was under, I was, I was not 21 yet when I got here. So I like to say I grew up in the Air Force. I didn't have my driver's license before I joined the Air Force. Um, a couple buddies of mine taught me how to drive. So yeah, I love, I love Colorado. It's home. It's kind of like home for me, meeting my wife here and her, she, her being from here. Um, and then, uh, going to the United Kingdom, uh, I think, uh, last time I checked, we, we visited like 13 countries while I was there. I was literally on every, a vacation every four day weekend. Um, and then coming back here, being able to raise my son with my in-laws, um, and him being able to hang around with his grandparents has been amazing. And then to go back to Germany and be able to, to outlive all those, Hey, you know, it would have been nice if we would have done this last time. We can be like, Oh, we're going to do it now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that always happens when whenever you have a overseas assignment. It's like, oh man, you leave the area. And you're like, I wish I would have done this and that. So now you get a second, and you get get a second shot at visiting all those places. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's kind of what we're really looking forward to is just getting a second shot, like you said, and and just also too, I'm excited to not work in justice for a couple of years. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I can imagine that. Um, it's going to take you out of, 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 of the game of, of the, you know, of knowing what's happening in military justice. Don't, don't say that, but I, I don't, I don't think it will, to be honest. Justice is something I've always been, um, particularly well at. So even when I was a gen law paralegal and I, I wasn't necessarily assigned cases or in the weeds, I kind of put myself there just because I felt like that's kind of the area that called me the most, if that makes sense. So I think even even when I'm hanging around over there in Germany and doing some obstacle and some other stuff, um, I think I will still try, like you know develop things and still be doing stuff within the military justice community, um, trying to help other folks out, right? Because that to me is kind of the goal at the end of the day is to make us better as a JAG Corps and as an Air Force. Right. <clears throat> no, absolutely. And I'm a little bit curious as to what sort of feeds into your innovative mindset or your, you know, like your motivation to want to come up with these new ideas? Uh, I think for me, so, uh, I was, uh, I was dyslexic when I was a kid. I couldn't read or write till I was in like third grade. Right. Um, uh, and essentially I was just like told, like my teachers kind of gave up on me, but, um, I got into a couple classes with these teachers that knew other techniques on how to teach folks and, um, and I learned. And um, for me, I feel like that kind of what sets it off for me is um, 
sometimes things are very, sometimes folks see things very difficult. And it just takes somebody with a, a, a like, you know, a way of seeing things at a different angle or in a different way to explain it and then show those people how, show those folks, hey, this is how you can see it, right? And, and that's what drives me is, you know, I've had folks that have had difficulties, um, you know, getting things to where I wanted them to be. So instead of me just constantly throwing the book at them and making them read AFIs and, you know, constantly doing things, maybe changing up the process or innovating in a little bit of a way that makes it easier for them to comprehend it and get them there, hey, makes my job easier too. And that's kind of the way I've always been since I was a kid. Um, and that, so that's kind of, I think, where it is. It's just, I see, I understand the struggle because I had it when I was growing up and I don't want people to just be sitting there struggling. Like we don't need to force everybody out that can't figure it out. We just need to help them get there. Hmm. Absolutely. No, I definitely believe in that. And it's been my, it's been my passion as well since I joined. Some things that just seemed unnecessarily complicated, you know? It's like we're doing all this work, which is tedious, but does it have to be that tedious? It's the question, right? Like, and that's when you, you know, you start thinking about all the possible ways that a process can be done better. So, um, all right. So I think, you know, we've definitely have, I think the same mentality when it comes to that. So I'm really excited for the discussion and getting into some of the different, um, you know, just off the bat, and this is not, you know, this doesn't cover everything that may have crossed our minds since we're working, you know, since working in the legal office. But these are some good starters, I think. So uh, let's get to it. Let's go. Hang on, I gotta, I gotta throw this in there real quick. You can't handle the truth. All right, so I just threw a little Jack Nicholson in there, a little Jack Nicholson before we get started. Um, so let's start with probably the hottest topic and it's been the hottest topic for a while. I remember that people have been bringing this up um, for a little bit. I remember it back to maybe 2012, 2013, people have probably before then 2010, 2009 pleading for the possibility to get this done. So electronic records of trial. Let's talk about this because I think we've made some progress late, very late. We've made some progress, but we got to find a way to, to get that finishing touch in there. Um, I'm not, so for your right, you said you just put a rot together. You were just blocking a rot today, actually. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got cut up. <laughs> you did. I got cut up. Making a rot. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, it, it, it's, it's not, I haven't broken up to volumes yet, but yeah, I try to keep our, I try to keep our work section clean. And so before this podcast, I was filing the records away. So that way I could pick it up again tomorrow. And, um, as I was filing it away, I got a big paper cut on my finger. Um, and it was gnarly. Look at that. It's a, it's a safety concern. It wastes time. We waste paper. Like, what are we doing? It's 2021. I mean, I'm not trying <laughs> again. I'm not. It's just, let's get this done. Um, so did, were you, what were you, were you blocking the original? Were you, what were you blocking? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was putting together the original, um, 
and um, you know, going through essentially it's a general court martial. Um, so you know, there's a lot of records when it's in, when it's a general court martial, and uh, so yeah, I was I was going through essentially everything before the transcript, um, making sure we had all the originals in there, making sure if, uh, if there were some things that required MFRs, you putting them in there, you know. All the all the craziness that uh, that goes along with building an original rod and trying to make it as perfect as possible before you get it to JJM and and not having and being at a DRU too, I'll tell you right now the pressure is even higher because you have no nap to check it. Right. So it, it, it's it, it's hard, um, but that's what I was doing because um, so right now we have three rods um, that are basically all being prepared at the same time. Um, so yeah, so I have my other NCO, uh, working on that one. And then, um, the third one is already kind of partially built and we're waiting on the transcript for it. Um, but you know, after you build the original, it's okay, let's, uh, scan this bad boy in and redact it and get it prepped for the victim and the accused. And if it's a multi-victim case, okay, you're redacting it multiple times and then, um, you know, printing it out and then blocking several copies um to where you know i think um what, what are you what, built was, uh, what are you printing out what are you printing out so um so you know by by the by the requirements you got to have two original or you have the original you have jjm1 jjm2 right you have your office copy and then you're going to have the accused copy and then if the victim elected to get a copy you'll have that one too right but you're printing all that? Yeah, well, so yeah, if you, I mean, uh, that's what we'll get to for these, but we haven't done it yet. But yeah, I mean, JJM still requires their two copies. Um, oh, right, right, especially right. Especially for a guilty plea. Especially for a guilty plea. So yeah, once we get the original prepped, I mean, that's a, it's tedious. I mean, the, the, the last, like I said, the last one that I built was 14 volumes. And um, I think I had everybody in the courtroom for several hours blocking that rock. Right. Right, right, right. Uh oh. Five thirty. They want the justice line. They know we don't sleep. <laughs> that try justice never sleep. That's true. Um, but so all right, so what we're doing at Whiteman is yes, we block the original and the original. And yes, we still do JJM one and we still do JJM two as far as printing is concerned. Outside of that though. Everything else is electronic. Like we'll just, you know, do a CD or, uh, I mean, right now we have 20 gigs that we can send on an email. So you can have up to 20 gigs that you can send out. Um, so we do the accused, we do electronic for the victim, uh, electronic defense counsel, electronic office copy, electronic. So we have an electronic uh, file plan. We're doing all of those electronic and until we can get through JJM, the original. I mean, I think that's, I mean, so the AFMAN still gives them footing, right, to ask for a physical copy, right? Because the AFMAN says, like, those are the five that you will prepare, right, uh, physically. It, and now I think the AFMAN specifically states, like, these will be physically prepared, right? So if an accused wants a physical rot, by all means, they have the right to ask for it. Um, the other th the other concern, I, I, I'm not concerned, but the other thing we deal with here at USAFA a lot of times is, um, I don't know how your confinement facility is, but our confinement facility, I don't think they get to use um, 
computers. So if we send them the virtual rock, right, we need a way for them to be able to look at it and observe and make sure that they're receiving the entirety of what they're supposed to, right? One through 15 of the checklist. Uh, um, and so that's another issue that we run into a lot. So like if you, if they go to a place that, you know, we deal with pretty commonly, like Miramar or something like that, it's pretty easy because they usually have uh, access to computers and their, um, their confinement POCs for us for the Air Force, they know, they kind of know what, what, what's up, right? But here um, we have a contract with Teller County um, to actually hold our confinees. And that's where most of our confinees are held unless they get more than a year. And a lot of these cadets, they get a couple months, maybe 30 days or so. Um, yeah, so I, that that's kind of the hardest part is building it to what you need. But I love the fact that you guys build it and then scan it because that's exactly what we do too. Um, and, and until I got to USAFA, because even at Millman Hall, that's how I built it. That's how I did it because I'd rather get the original close to perfect, right? And then make a bunch of copies instead of, you know, making a bunch of copies and then having to fix it. I've done that, and that's not the easy way to do things. No, so, no, um, not at all. Not no, at so all. That's, so that's why, so that's why, like, I loved the, um, so yeah, so originally when I got here, I asked, um, I asked our deputy, I said, hey, um, if I, if I send this thing to FedEx and get a quote, would you, would you guys be willing to pay for it on the GTC? And he said, let me have one printer. Um, it breaks pretty often and it's one printer for the entire office. Uh, yeah, give me the quote and, um, I'm pretty sure we'll be good with it. And, you mean Kinko's uh, uh, FedEx Kinko's? We, yeah, we do FedEx Kinkos, and the only reason, in fact, we, the only reason I stick with them is one, we have a con we, there's a government contract around base, right? And two is, um, they'll make copies of your discs, and they'll do the two-hole punch, and they'll do your heavy hard stock dividers. So, and even if and if you bring them the greenbacks, they'll even apply the greenbacks. The only things they won't do is the prongs. So, I mean, that's a good, you know, what sixty percent of the work. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, so they, so they, they do an amazing job. Um, and they're really, they're really awesome for us here. So, so that's kind of what the route we went. Um, and then eventually I, I started playing around with, um, the EROP thing. And I think it was TJ was here sometime in 2019. Um, and I, I believe he was at dinner with my SJ and a few other of uh, my leadership and um, some other leadership from the other bases in the area, Shriver, Peterson. Um, and I, some, some, how, how it came about, I don't know. But he said, basically, like, hey, one of you guys should do an EROP. Right? One of you guys should make it, basically take it as far as you can go. Uh, you there? Yep, still here. You can, I lost you for a little bit. Oh. But. Sorry, sorry. Um, you're good. But he, but he said, yeah, take it as far as you can. Take the EROP as far as you can. So uh, our electronic ROP. So um, I guess some of the other SJAs turned down the challenge. They were, they kind of were like, no, you know, JJAN's already spoke on this. We're not going to do it. Um, at the time, my SJA was like, let's go. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I got a text message that night asking me like, hey, would you be willing to do this? And I said, yeah, you know, and I instantly in my head, started building it. Um, Sergeant Puma and I, when we were at Mildenhall, we, we dabbled in it a lot. Um, so I already had kind of 
a thought process on how to go with it. And so, uh, yeah, I, um, I built it in Adobe because I wanted to build it on a platform that everybody was comfortable using. And I think if you're a paralegal, you know how to use Adobe, right? It's a, it's a, it's a pretty easy tool. And so, yeah, you know, took the rot or took the rot checklist, threw it in there, digitized it, made, you know, initial, made all the initial parts, um, digital. So that way you just click and play. And then I built filler pages for every part of the rot. And then it's just a drag and drop function, right? You drag what needs to be there and you do that. And once you're done, you basically go ahead and you just leave it at, the, at that, you save it, right? And then I made the cover where you can just type everything in. And so you have only one cover. And then on the side, you see the bookmarks tabs and um, that'll take you to the cover pages that apply to the applicable positions. And, um, and then I enrich the, 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 I enrich the media. So if it's an audio or a video, I just put it into the Adobe document and that was it. That was, and, uh, that was, and my first case was USV Hong, um, which, um, was pretty cool. We, uh, we sent it up to JJM and, um, it took them a while to get back to us. Um, I think it was several months before they came back and they kind of said, they kind of, I think, it, I think they didn't know what to say. Um, they, they, they had questions and then they kind of had some corrections for me just saying, Hey, like, this is some stuff we need. Um, but besides that, it was nothing. And then, um, you know, come up, come a few months later, my SJA is talking to JJM. You know, they're going back and forth, Mr. Hartzell, uh, and um, and kind of this kind of this kind of phase here, at least at USAFA was, is we're doing EROTs. Um, so I did them for acquittals. I did them for you know drug drug cases, not even just you know sex assault cases, and I was doing them for uh, all these different uh, things. And um, essentially, the word came down from uh, folks at Appellate Records. Hey, we're not going to do general court marshals with fi guilty findings because those have to go up to appellate. And for appellate, we want two copies, right? So, so we're not going to do the we're not going to do that. And then, um, and then, uh, and ultimately, what it came down to is it wasn't really even feedback from. I never got feedback from the appellate judges. I got feedback from appellate counsel, government appellate counsel. Um, I don't think liked the digital format. Um, they wanted physical. So, so they were the ones that kind of raised an issue with kind of finding things in the EROT that, that, you know, they thought would be easier if it had a physical copy. So that kind of killed general court marshals. But then um, saving grace was acquittals. Acquittals don't go to appellate, right? Acquittals, acquittals just come stay, you know, you got your original at your office. The original goes to JJM for review and filing. And then to the accused, you know, um, and so JJM said, "Hey, we'll take them for acquittals." And I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Because even if it's just acquittals in the jet court, I feel like folks would be just happy that they don't have to do acquittals anymore, right? Um, and then maybe around the end of 2019, um, I got told, "Hey, we're not doing that either anymore. Uh, go ahead, go ahead and put together originals and send those to us." So. Um, so it was kind of like I was kind of super high on this feeling <laughs> that like I was doing something and that and that, you know, even though it wasn't the best product in the world, 
it was somewhere we could start, you know, and folks could take it and do what they will. But yeah, you know, after that, it was a no. And so, you know, my, I just went straight down and it, it's it. And I haven't done anything since. I sent it to you and you seem to like it. You sent it to me and, um, and it's awesome. That thing. So I saw the Erod Builder PDF that Sergeant Sanchez put together. And that thing is amazing. It's just easy. I, it, um, it really is the, the current solution to the problem, but I do want to ask. So, and again, I don't. This the intent of this is not to to throw anybody on the bus or raise any stuff or drop any bombs or anything like that. It's not that, but I think there's got to be a way to get the yes. And so, when you say appellate council, was it like Air Force appellate council, like? It was, my boss was upset by it. So, um, you know, at the time, um, so, you know, when, any, when anything happens at appellate, at appellate level, uh, most of the time the decisions made at the appellate level will be remanded back to your office, right? So that the, uh, the appellate judge will reprimand the case back, right? Uh, the chief appellate judge will reprimand the case to TJAG. TJAG's office will basically take it to JJM, right? And depending on what the reprimand is for, They'll either assign it to a, a judge to handle or fix the situation, or they'll send it to appellate records to basically um, fix the situation. In this case, for U.S. v. Hong, um, it was sent to appellate records. So um, I received uh, a notification from like Miss Steele, and she said, "Hey, you know, we want two uh, copies of the of the rob made physically for appellate records based upon the attachments, right? And then in the attachments, um, there was." some conversation uh, with appellate counsel, basically raising an issue to using these EROTs. Um, so my boss saw that, um, obviously, because TJEG is the one that kind of asked us to go forward with this idea. It was kind of like, hey, we can't say anything to defense counsel. We can't say anything to, appell or, uh, to uh, appellate judges, but maybe we could say a little bit to um, you know our folks that we have as government counsel, because they represent us and we are looking to try to get this passed through right because if because if i think if uh, hong would have went off with that i think that would have established good processing to say what well, if this case got it why not others right um but it never but yeah it it got tripped <laughs> right but it can't it can't get tripped right like we are this is Okay, so it's 2021, it's a new Air Force, it's a new mindset. We have marching orders from the chief of staff of the Air Force. You know what I mean? Like action orders titled accelerate change or lose. And we were headed in that direction. Someone got some somehow got stalled. I think we have to press forward. And this is just easy because, you know, blocking rots, while it may be fun in a team building event. For some individuals, you're pulling people from so many different sections, you know, the justice people, the NCOIC, sometimes the attorneys, civilians, everybody. That's, you know, that's time that could be spent, you know, being fast on these metrics in other areas, right? But instead, we're, we're, we're spending it here um, and resources as well. You know, we already go through crazy amounts of paper every day and in the legal office. So it's not necessary, like 14 volumes 
we just had an acquittal. We had an acquittal that is 12 volume rock acquittal. Um, I'm not looking forward to printing two, three, four copies of this thing. Um, so I don't know. It, and the craziest thing about this, or perhaps one that could be a frustrating factor is that there has been, the law has allowed for electronic records of trial, meaning the MCM, right? Since 2012, that's the first time that I found where the MCM said, yes, we allow for electronic records of trial. Um, that is nine years ago. Nine years ago where we could have done that and we're still fighting against it, right? Or build or doing an half man that goes against the electronic records of trial. So I think at some point we just have, and again, I'll, I'll, I know this is not a frustration just for myself, but this may be a frustration for many people out there. Um, well, I think, I think the funny thing was, is, um, so, you know, for me, uh, the first time, I think uh, we talked about it a, a little while when we were setting this up, right? Your second podcast about innovation, you know, I think I heard you say you wrote like something like a hundred page, like, you know, article <laughs> on why, like why we should be allowed to do EROTs. And, um, you know, I was like, man, like, you know, okay, like I'm not the only person here being crazy, right? Um, so like the RCM says it can be done that way, right? And and I'm sure all my losses, if y'all listen to this, right? Records say we can do it that way, right? Anywhere that anyone that's a records custodian knows that your records folks are gonna say, hey, all of your stuff needs to be electronic, right? Because it's allowed. It's it. So, okay, so if, if records say if it can be electronic, the RCM says it can be electronic, and TJAG says do EROTs, we should be done business, right? Boom. But I think one of the biggest things that hit me on, um, you know, them doing that, uh, the recent, you know, accelerate change was that bureaucracy line. You know, I was... I was like, oh my goodness, like, yes, like get rid of the bureaucracy. Like when, when did commanders stop being commanders? When did, when did stars not mean anything and you, and people would shut things down. Now I say all that to, to kind of my biggest, my biggest, my biggest qualm with everything is, is I want to save the air force money. I want to save the air force, uh, man hours, resources, right? All that. Um, and I don't think you do that by hire, hiring a contractor for several, several million dollars to build you a product, right? Um, you do that by looking at your folks and saying, I know you have a solution that we can start with. And you, you, you start there and you let it build. We are some great people. I joined the military because I felt like we could, like as the military, we can achieve anything. We literally go into the middle of nowhere right? And build bases by ourselves, you know? Yeah, we have contractors and things like that. And I'm not saying our contractor uh, family isn't important. They are. Um, but in this day and age, we need to stop spending so much money on outside resources and start looking in. Yeah, no, for sure. And I feel like this is an easy one. This is an easy one. It may be something that, you know, it takes some people 
out of their comfort zone because now you're going to have to review, you know, documents or, or trial record or in an electronic format. And I can understand there's like an inconvenience to that. There's an unfamiliarity to that. Um, understand all of that. Um, and, but, but I think we have to accept the fact that that's where we're moving. We, we just, we're kind of battling the inevitable. We're going to get there sooner or later, whether we want to or not. But again, we have to that. accelerate the change. I think you say that, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, DCMS, right, or Amjams 2, um, I mean, I've only been in for a little bit and some change, right, like nine years, 10 years, um, but folks have been talking about it forever, um, and we're finally getting to it, you know. Um, I think, you know, for me, again, it, it it's a great, it's a, it, I, I believe in it. I think we're going to, I think we're going to do great. And I think internally we can do things, um, for ourselves. Right. And that's why I love the Facebook page. That's why I love the team's page because that's not, that's not controlled by anybody. Right. No one has said, Hey, you have to, you know, JJM's ahead of all of the military justice section or, you know, JI is in charge of this section. No one's saying that everybody's saying, Hey, this is a community that we've built to share ideas. And, and essentially move past those barriers where, hey, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe JM doesn't want to stamp this as their product, but if we start using it, maybe we all can be a little bit better, right? Um, and, and that's kind of where, that's why I love, that's why I love, I think that will definitely continue to move forward. I don't think we're ever going to get to a point though, where me or you or I start something locally and it gets a stamp. Um, it's just not the way that the military runs things. If it did, I think it maybe would be a lot better of a place. Um, but I mean, there's a chain of command for a reason, right? <laughs> um, you can't so. handle the truth. That's right. That's right. And but I think this is something that we can build together, like you said, as a community. I think it can happen, right? And maybe the ideas start happening at the local level. That's where the ideas are going to come from. That's where we're going to cover some of these things here as well. That's where the, all right, so here we go. And you get some momentum going, but I don't think we can do it by, by ourselves, right? I try to do it by myself at Kadena. It did not work. I utilized the Airman Powered by Innovation. It didn't work. You try to do it by yourself at your base. It did not work. But I think if we can all come together, um, you know, through these different communities that we have on the Teams page and on the, on the Facebook page, and I think, you know, with a big, uh, perhaps a bigger voice, um, and different people coming together. I think we can make it happen. Yeah, for sure. You can't I'll throw another Jack Nicholson in there. Um, so let's, all right. So I think we, we, uh, discussed the era situation already to, to great length. And, you know, let's just hope that, um, that something can be resolved here soon. Um, but I think in the meantime, although, like you said, the AFMAN calls for, um, for hard copies, I think you can make that, you know, like ask them what copy they, they want, whether it's the accused, hey, do you prefer a hard copy or, uh, or electronic copy and sell the electronic, <laughs> hey, hey, the electronic copy, you can have it with you or whatever. Same thing with the defense council. 
um, and the victims. So, but all right. Enough about EROTs. We can revisit that at a later time. Hopefully, there's some discussion about that. If anyone has any questions on the EROT um, situation or how we do it at Whiteman, you can definitely feel free to reach out to me. If you want the EROT builder from Sergeant Sanchez, also let us know. I think he just has to make he has to make some tweaks in there. Um, but if you want to use it uh, for your office, I I saw it and it's ama it's an amazing product. Um, it's even bookmark, uh, bookmark, so you can kind of see where, you know, you can just click on it. It'll take you exactly to where it is that you need to, uh, where that document belongs. It's a great user-friendly tool um, that, you know, if, that's, if you want it, get with Sergeant Sanchez. But um, let's keep moving. <clears throat> so the next thing that I want to talk about is the, uh, so you have this idea, and I want us, I want you to talk, talk to us about the UIF elections on the NJP. So what's this idea about what would you like to see there? So, um, so I think, uh, especially during article six time, uh, we, we're going through ours right now. Um, you notice a lot of little things that could probably be better. Right. And, um, for article 15s, um, and, and UIFs, we know that there are certain punishments that when they're administered in, the, in an Article 15, um, and even certain ranks, right, require that if you get a 15, it's an automatic UIF, right? Um, so, hey, six months suspension, automatic UIF. Officer, automatic UIF. You know, reduction in grade, automatic UIF. Okay, so if we have all these things that make op the UIFs automatic, why are we giving it back to our commanders? Um, after they come back with their appeal decision and saying, "Hey, sir, do you want to put? A, do you want to make this UIF or not?" It's already been made. They made the decision when they did when they talked about their punishment. So instead of instead of giving it back to the commander and saying, "Hey, sir or ma'am, this is a, you know what's your election?" We can. I I would love it if we could address that in the punishment form, right? And not necessarily add a separate block or whatever. But maybe even just add a, add some language in the punishment portion that this punishment is a, this punishment if you know basically maintained after your after your appeal decision um, is a, is a you know requires a UIF and and shall be filed in one right and then that gives and I think that that also helps the accused when they're making their when they're making their response because you know we, UIF also triggers other things you know hey Article 15 is bad but it's a rehabilitative tool. But if I know I've got an assignment coming up, I don't want to be on a UIF, right? Or if I want to, if I, if, you know, if I want to take classes, whatever. Um, so maybe I write that in my response. Hey, give me a different type of punishment that doesn't automatically require this UIF decision, right? And then I'll be able to, you know, do these things. And then, sure and then that way, oh, sorry, my watch. Uh, but then, and then that way too, it speeds up the process. We have 18 days to move this thing, right? So if we may, if we let them know that now after their appeal decision, where does it go? Straight to us, right? Right. And that's and that's it. And it's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Doesn't it? Doesn't it sound simple? But it's like sounds sounds amazing. Now I don't know who controls that process or that or the form, the Air Force form. 3070, I think. I do think some adjustments may need to be made to that form as well. 
Um, but I don't know who controls that. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see if there's anybody out there that um that knows, you know, who controls that process. But I definitely agree that with the punishment, right? So we we've got the um the offer of the article 15, the three duty days triggered, member comes back, does their, you know, I saw ADC, I waive my, you know, waive my right to a court martial and accept article 15. Um, you know, I, I, I've attached a written statement and I want my decision to be public, whatever the case may be at that point. Um, the next commander decision, which obviously is uh, whether they're terminating the proceedings or they're, or they're going forward with the, with the proceedings, there should be an, another box, like you said, perhaps to the form that says, you know, this automatically, independent on the punishment, auto, it will automatically trigger it anyways. But right, that decision can be made there already. That way, after the appeal process, we get it and it's done and over with. Um, so I, I definitely think I, I never and I'll, I'll, I'll admit that I had never thought about this. You know, I, I hadn't given it any thought to that, but I, I, I mean, I feel, I feel like what threw it in my brain, to be honest with you, is um, here at USAFA, it's a big base. It's a really big base. Um, and the legal office, we're up here by the cadets. A lot of our first sergeants are all around base. And I'm like, these boys are running around moving this 15, right? Because we want them to, hey, do your, you know, do your appeal decision. Now I got to run over here and get the commander to sign, to do the UIF. Then I got to come back to you and you got to acknowledge it, right? And with these cadets, they don't like to do that because they're in class all day, you know? So even scheduling a meeting where they're all going to meet, sometimes it's difficult. Um, so, so I was like, man, you know, we can save them some headache. And then even going forward with that, right? Um, now, um, you know, I think it was uh, maybe 2019, 2020, I, I can't recall, I think it's 2020, um, that we have to review an initial UIF, right? So when the UIF is initially established, we're required to do a review of it. So, okay, boom, two birds with one stone. Okay, we know it's an automatic UIF. They don't appeal. Take that 15, put it right over in your pile for UIF reviews, and then give that UIF monitor notification, hey, this thing has to go into, you know, it has to be documented in a UIF, send me the package when it's complete. And then that way you can show in your adverse actions program that you are not missing a beat. And that's what you, that's how you got to run it. You know, you got to run it to where you're doing everything fluidly instead of, you know, annual review comes up and you're like, oh my God, I didn't know security forces got seven new 15s. Well, you didn't know, you just, you just didn't, uh, you know, want to, you know, basically do that extra little bit of legwork on the front end. So now you're going to do it all right now. Right. Yeah, no, it can definitely, um, it can definitely accelerate the article 15 process as well, because sometimes we're held up for the UIF decisions, right? The appeals done, but now, you know, after that election, it's still sitting with the unit, with the squadron just waiting on the UIF decision to be made, which we all know that we shouldn't be waiting on that. It's automatic anyways. So why are we making that election when we know what the election has to be anyway? So yeah, in some instances, I mean, that can save two to three days, maybe five days, it depends. If it's on a Friday, you know. And I love, 
Yeah, one, I love my first sergeants and I love my commanders. Every base I've been to, I've had a great relationship with all with them every time. Um, but the thing that I think is funny, right, is, um, you know, I've had it a couple times where the commanders um, say, like, no to establishing the UIF, right? Um, and then I have to turn around reviewing it and give it back to the first sergeant and say, hey, this is a mess up. You got to take it back to your commander, right? And now it has to happen all over again. And like right. you're saying, we're just burning time, right? Right. So, so it's one of those things where it's like, hey, let's let's help them out a little bit. Let's help ourselves out, and um, and let's let's try to make this process a little easier on them. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, giving it back to them, that means I know their day or two that you're burning essentially. So, and the 18 day is totally within our control. I, you know, I'm somebody that I don't really, I don't enjoy metrics, but I do, but I do like them in a sense that. Um, they are a way to measure your office's, uh, your office's um, strengths and weaknesses, right? And so I could care less about the 21 day, to be honest with you. A lot of times uh, the cases um, come from, you know, OSI investigations, security forces investigations, commander doesn't want to move till the things are closed. Hey, cool. That 18 day is all us. That is us. We are at home court and we got the ball. You slip, you do a bad pass, that's on you, all right? right? I need you to go back on the court and you're gonna have to get some practice in because there ain't gonna be no bad passes next time. That's right. Yeah, the 18 day, you're right. Like it used to be when we had um, the metric, what was, I can't remember what the metric was before, um, but we were making the 20 day metric. We weren't making the metric um, for the discovery to- the 10 day to offer the 10 day. We were making that. We didn't make that to save our lives, but we were making the 20 day. Um, easy, easy, consistently making it. But now, if you look across the Air Force, if you look at, I've been looking at the numbers, uh, and this is basis, this is not, you know, we're struggling with the 18 day. But you're right, well, we do control um, the 18 day metric. So, so that's a good one. All right, so UIF, we'll see. Um, if any traction goes on with that, um, I don't know who controls, or, you know, who has power over those forms in that process. But I think that would be that would be something to consider, something to look at potentially. All right, so I want to get into two things right now. So we you're done with the U.S. But so you you brought up smart forms and. Under that same concept, I have and have thought about ideas as far as smart checklists. Um, I do want to get your insight on the smart forms, and then I'll kind of talk about the uh, what I'm thinking with the smart checklist. Okay. Um, so when I when I talk about smart forms, um, I, I one thing that really resonates in my mind and, and that's kind of the first thing is um i heard mr uh, i think it was mr stazel in one of our dcf uh, tcms meetings say um you know because we have a, a number of ncos from around the jag corps um part of that dcms committee and um we we, at, we say a lot of the same stuff that me and you are talking about right now hey why don't we just get rid of this why don't we do this i think he said um mr stazel said hey we're not trying to replace the human component 
we were we want paralegals to still know their job and go in there and do things that they need to do right so we're not trying to make it so so smart that it's mechanical right but at the same time i don't think we're i don't think me that's where now i'm getting with the smart forms right um what i'm what i would imply is is that okay if you have an str right and um and let's say um you fill out the cases or the, i'm sorry the charges and um, you have the findings and, uh, I'm sorry, you have the pleas and the findings. I would love uh, for on the bottom, on the first endorsement, where you have you know, the DNA processing for all the separate categories, that it automatically pops up a, a, like a, maybe a block or something saying, you know, this is a required for, for cases that are found guilty for these offenses, right? And it, tell, and it kind of, it gives me the information I need to, to review it and say, yep, this is a case that requires this type of pro DNA processing, right? Or, hey, are automatic forfeitures uh, required in this case? And it'll say, you know, these are, these are the requirements for automatic forfeitures. That's kind of where I'm going for the smart form, um, you know, kind of to where it helps you check things out and it helps you balance things out. Um, and we don't even have to keep it just in, um, uh, just in, you know, justice realm, um, you know, I've talked to my gen law folks a little bit about it and, um, and even for witness funding, who here loves witness funding? No. Right. Um, but if you had a smart form, right. Kind of acting like your taxes or, uh, like acting like, you know, um, Amgems where you plug in, like, oh, it answer, it asks you questions like, um, who's your expert? You type in their name. Okay, what's their what's their address? Da 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 da. Okay, where uh, you know what case are they going to be for? Da da da. And then at the end, when you get the invoice and everything, you know how much do they charge on an hourly rate? How much do they charge per day? And then it creates all the forms for you, right? It creates the receiving report. It creates the 1034. And now instead of having to create all these forms, it just populates it with the information that you've given it. Right. That to me is some next level stuff. You can't and that handle can also the truth. make processes around the Air Force consistent. Right. No, no, no. I, I agree. And I want to go back to the comment about the human factor because I think it's in conflict with paralegal skills, with actual paralegal skills. Now, we're spending a lot of time on administrative skills not paralegal skills. I think maybe we spend about 80%, 90% of the time in some offices, maybe different in other offices, administrative skills, not paralegal skills. Um, so what I mean by that is, is, is you know, is, whether it's the checklist or putting together a folder or putting together um, the rot, all this is administrative. Um, but the paralegal skills that are being sought after even after we're done with the military and in the civilian capacity and private practice is the proof analysis, right? Drafting the proof analysis. All these other things are keeping us, keeping us away sometimes from doing proof analysis, from doing legal research, from doing motions, from doing type of facts, type of uh, expected testimony. Those are skills that are really valuable that really defines your actual paralegal skills. 
Um, so having a, you know, having a system where it makes it easier to develop a form because it's all administrative, um, definitely helps us in sharpening those paralegal skills. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely all for that idea and that, you know, because we have to put the information in anyways, we just have to put the information so many in so many different areas right now. It has to be on the actual form. It has to be in the electronic system. It has to be in this other thing. Um, that's what's happening. So with me, as far as, so I'm on board with the smart form, but with me, as far as the smart checklist is, so we have the um, JGM checklist and it's in PDF format, which is cool. It's not interactive. You can't really click on it. Mostly, it seems like you have to print it, so you will print it, okay. Um, but imagine, and this is something that was happening in Kadena. It was because I was part of the um, the Kadena's Spark Innovation uh, work group and the hub. And for pilots, right? So pilots, and I may be, I'm not very smart on this thing. So if I if I say something, if you're a pilot or a maintainer, I'm saying something wrong. My bad. But essentially, the essence of this source is. Um, if something happens, you know, with the plane, either mid flight or whatever that you have to troubleshoot, um, they have this manual, right? It's like an airman's manual, but instead it's like a, you know, where they kind of go for to troubleshoot whatever it is that's going on, but they develop something that replaced that manual with a, with a tablet, um, that essentially they say, what's the, you know, what's, what's the problem? So you look, look, this is the problem, boom, and it will give you the solution right there. So for the checklist, the check, the court martial checklist, if you say, okay, what court are you doing? Summary court, special court, general court, general court, boom, it gives you all the things that you need to do for a general court. What kind of case is it? Drug case? Yep. Drug case. All right. Boom. All the things that are just, you know, related to court, um, to a drug case, not to a, you know, sexual assault or whatever else, all that is gone. So only drug cases, if it isn't drug cases, then why are you going? Oh, we have, you know, because right now on the checklist, what we do is we go in X and A, right, on it, because it doesn't apply. We go page, of, you know, up on page. Um, but having yeah. a smart checklist where, you know, you click, boom, okay, did you do this? Did you not do this? You, yes, and as you go through, you go through every case, and now you're forced to use the checklist. Like, and I'm not saying that people are not using it, right? People are using the checklist, but this, you're actually going step by step through the checklist checking it, yep, this, 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 and that, and guiding you through. And it doesn't replace AmJams, it doesn't replace DCMS. I'm not talking anything like that. It's just a checklist guiding you through the court process. And that, uh, is it eliminating the human factor? Mm, I don't know, but again, it will allow you to focus on, you know, to rely on your paralegals. Like how awesome would it be for an attorney to go to a paralegal, a military justice paralegal, and be like, hey, I need legal research on this, or hey, the defense just filed a motion for this, can you help me do some legal research or, 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 or do a response? And that is because we are capable, we're supposed to be doing paralegal. <laughs> so. I think I, it's funny that you say that. It's funny yeah. how you, you uh, talked about or how you progressed from the form or from the Adobe document to printing it. Because um, during COVID, uh, the way that my office dealt with it is uh, we have a, we create a OneNote for each case now. Um, and the OneNote, um, so the OneNote is great because we have a, what's called a MOAT, which is a mother of all trackers. It's a, it's a, it's a OneNote um, that essentially we, we track several different things into. 
but the, that that MOAT is also hyperlinked to each case's OneNote. And so our chief of litigation, so we've copied, we've copied the the require the required checklist, and then I've created a OneNote version of it, right? So now it's interactive, right? right. So what you're talking about, we're already doing. <laughs> well, we need and, we need to see this product. <laughs> Where is and, it? And then and then and then the thing is then is and then you incorporate hyperlinks, right? Hyperlinks to templates, right? right? Okay. I gotta build the I gotta build the preferral uh, package. Where are the where are the templates at? And so we, so you hyperlink it to KM, um, you know. And then we have sub tabs. So besides the checklist, that's kind of where the whole case is living, in a sense that okay, when we finish preferral, you scan that in. Yes, you save it on the drive, but you also put it into your OneNote, and then in the preferral tab. And then we have and then when you're getting ready for court. You have you can create your whole trial box in there, and that's what we do most of the time. We create our whole trial box in there, and that way, when my trial counsels are sitting at the table, if they need something, they just say, you know, they just go to their they go to their OneNote, they click on it, they print it, and then we go pick it up, right? But we've got everything in there, and then we all take our one our notes for witness interviews in there, and as that we're all typing our notes, we can see them, which is awesome, right? And then the next step is. Once you get a CTC, you hyperlink that you create a Teams chat with your CTC, right? And your trial counsel. And then you take your OneNote and you upload it to that Teams chat. Your CTC has access to the whole entire case file without having access to your shared drive. That's awesome. That is right. That is awesome. And you know, you essentially um saw my vision through you know what i mean because that was my vision at Kadena. i just wasn't able to implement it you know i didn't have the time to build it i didn't have the buy-in <laughs> for people to want to use it because they kept saying nope we're going back to hard copies nope we're going back to her i'm like all right so it was just pushed back and when you don't have buy-in you know it's hard to do things so what i think the thing that helped us here too is because we have um we have a chief of litigation, not many bases do, you know? And I think the, the, the unique thing where really sold it to folks here was, is that ability to be able to check the checklist anytime. You know, at, at most bases, I think the thought process are, at my base, my last base, right? It was, hey, your checklist is due and here, Thursday, close of business. Cause on Friday, I'm gonna look at it and I'm gonna give you some feedback, right? Um, and that was, we all were dreading it, you know, Thursday, we're all doing, like, you know, <laughs> pencil whipping the crap out of that checklist and, and not knowing what's what, and, um, and then, you know, and then we shoot it up to the SJA and Hey, what, why did, uh, you know, why did we miss this? Why didn't we do this? And it's like, oh, well, we pencil whipped it. Right. Where now we have a chief of litigation who goes in every week, looks at it, looks at the drive, looks at the one note. Hey, you signed off on um, you know, docketing the court, but I don't see the I don't see the confirmation memo in your OneNote. Where's the confirmation memo at? Oh, you didn't do it? Okay, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and get that done. Right. So Yeah, no, that is that's amazing. That exact that's exactly exactly what I had envisioned previously. Um I was trying, I was trying one, it was, I'm not sure if it was one, no, there was a different program before. Um, 
It's not OneNote. It was Axe. Was it Access? Oh, Access. Access is the, Access was beautiful, but if it broke, it broke. <laughs> if it broke, it broke out. So I had I, I was doing um like the deployment deployment folders. I did that electronically electronically through Access. Um, a bunch of different things, and I was trying to do the checklist. Oh, the claims checklist. I did that all through Access claims checklist. GC, what is it? The uh, G claims, uh, FTCAs, MCAs, all that was through Access um, electronic. Um, and I was trying to do the same thing for the courts, but number one, it's painful, right? Because I have to copy paste, copy paste, copy paste everything. Um, but yeah, no, I was trying to get there, but I think it's amazing because, like you said, um, everything that's in that document, yes, it can be on the drive, but now it exists within that document. And you now with Teams, yeah, you can just create a new team, USB, whatever, you know, and that's your trial team in there. And, you know, you have the checklist in there that's being updated that perhaps you can't even do it. Would you able to update the checklist right then and there on Teams? Oh man, yeah, you, you just go in. Yeah, it it's a it's a living document kept on the SharePoint, right? For whatever team you create. Um, so it's so yeah. I mean, that's that's the essential. The next big idea is to create a team for your trial and actually um, use that as a discovery tool. Use it as a um, use it as just a records tool and that to be, and then to remove that kind of headache, if you will, from the process. Right. Um, and I think that that, you know, that to me is that next level stuff that, and then if you could even build a rod on there, right? Right. Core reporter has access to it. Rod is finished, created into Adobe document, upload, boom. Done. The rest of it's already in there. The rest, and so literally, then you just, you add a pellet, you add JJM, a pellet records to the, you add them to the team and you delete all the riffraff, all like the conversation history and stuff like that, that they don't need to see anymore. And you just say, Hey, ready, ready for your review. And then if they want the physical copies, this is what we do. We say, Hey, this is good. We don't need to edit the file at all. Great. We compress the file and then we send it to a local Kinko's or FedEx to put together. And then they put it together for them, right? And then they send it to, and then they send it directly to their office for filing. Or for the appellate judges, whoever needs it. Right. But then but then we get rid of the making the copies locally. We get rid of the the man hours, the cost for that, right? We outsource it almost. Um, and then we also kind of like you said, we have our folks focus more on the subject matter, right? right. And, and hopefully, you know, being at a DRU, I have to do that a lot because I don't have a nav, but hopefully this creates better process. This would create better processing for your NAFs as well, because they have a constant viewpoint on your cases. So now they can catch things before it gets to appellate records. It makes us look good as the government, right? And it's a better process. It's a, it's a more um, transparent process for everybody especially even defense counsel. Mm -hmm. And now with the 140 requirements that are coming, that are, that hit us, you know, we're having, we're having to put these things up publicly. Uh, I haven't got too much into the weeds on it not yet, but that could also help us. Cause if it's already out there in the interwebs, okay, we need to move it over here. So that way it's in this public forum. Cool. Yeah, no, I think, 
I think that whole thing is amazing, especially now that idea of doing the trial started on Teams. Um, you can have, like you said, you can have every single document that you need right there. A court reporter sends the transcript in there, put it, boom, 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 put it in together, gone right then and there. You don't even have to, <laughs> there's no need to print anything, gone. But um, yeah, all right. So yeah, so that's essentially where, you know, the smart forms, the smart checklist, where they come into play, where they can be really handy and really useful as we continue to innovate, as we continue to accelerate change, hopefully. So um, I know we have a ton of more um, <laughs> topics to discuss, but um, we're just going to do for this for this specific um, session. We'll come back. We'll do part two, part three, whatever we have to do um, to get this information out there and see what the feedback is in the field. Um, but we'll talk about one last innovation subject for today. Um, and I kind of wanted to talk about the, um, selecting members after docking. So, and I, and I got, I got something for you on that one as well, <laughs> but go ahead and tell me, talk to me about that one. So that was, um, so at my last assignment, I got the pleasure of working with uh, technical Sergeant Sleisman, um, or Sleisman. Uh, so, uh, a lot of folks call her AJ. Um, but yeah, so she, so she came in right when I was leaving, she was taking over as NCOIC of justice. And, um, um, at the time we were sharing ideas of what can make the air force better. Right. And, um, and that was instantly her thought process. Hey, can we select, can, can we get the air force to change its doctrine to, to allow us to select members after we dock at the case, right? Cause if. Because if we dock in the case and we know the date, it makes it easier for us to coordinate with our folks and not waste time and basically say, hey, are you available on X or Y dates? Yes. Okay, boom. You're going to be in this panel. You're going to be in this panel. And then um, and then move, remove some of that kind of, I feel like like you were talking about like 90% of administrative process, right, of just having people fill out data sheets and pull surfs or however your office does it and then creating an Excel where they're all in date of rank, right? And they all have their date of rank and you're making sure the highest person's up here. And, um, you know, you're putting conflicts, all this crazy stuff that you're trying to give to your convening authority for them to make their decision. And um, I was like, man, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> like, like, why can't we do this? Um, and that one is a little harder of a topic because it's not, it, it's, it's something that's required by law, right? You have to, you have to convene a court before you can docket it. And to convene it, you have to select members, right? Right. That's kind of that's kind of where I would be getting at is maybe instead of doing a selection of members, right, as your as a pretrial advice, maybe we just do pretrial advice and we let the convening authority sign the back of the chart sheet instead of letting our uh, SJA do it. Right. And then essentially they have convened the court. Right. And then um, we go ahead and we send that into the docketing office as, hey, the convening authority said this is a go. So let's get a date. And then once you get that date, then you have to do the first endorsement, which then will then put in the number that you'll put on the back of your chart sheet. Right. Yeah, no. I, well, OK, so you convene the courts convened on the chart sheet. 
you can have a number there, no? Couldn't you have I the number there already? You should have a number there, but usually that number coincides with the convening order that has members on it. Right, but if the charge sheet was signed, because the, the convening order is typically, the number of the convening order is going to be the same date as it is on the charge sheet, or am I? No, you're exactly right. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of, that's, so we're free, we're free flowing here because I just thought about it as I was talking to you, right? Mm -hmm. But um, but that to me is something that I think we could play with because for, to you, for to convene a court, you just have to have a convening authority say, yeah, like, this is going forward, right? I mean, I'm sure there's probably more exact rules in the RCM, right? Um, he must, you know, assemble a panel of members in accordance with Article 25 or something like that, right? Um, so maybe we move around that processing. But the way I'm thinking about it is right now, right, your SJA signs the back of that form, right? right. For the commander, right? And so instead of them doing that, they do the pretrial advice saying, hey, this is a recommendation on how this case should, where this case should go. Community authority says, hey, this, this looks good to me. You know, I, I trust you. I trust your office. I agree with the 32 officer's decision. And then signs at the back of the form and leaves the rest of it blank. Because at this point, you've gotten the endorsement from the convening authority that they're, they're willing to make this, or they're not willing, but they're authorizing this to go forward. And now the rest of the, so then that's what you send into the docketing office, or that's what you send to defense counsel saying, hey, convening authority says this is a go. Let's go ahead and let's dry docket this case. And then you dry docket between yourselves. If not, send it into the docking up, docketing office. Um, and I'm sure Ms. Sherman can help you out, right? And then, <laughs> and then, um, and then, yeah, you get the date. And then that's when you create the convene. That's when you know, act kidding, create the actual convening order. At which point, they'll select and sign the convening order. So it removes a little bit of power from your SJA, but I think it helps us a little bit in the process. As long as uh, RCMs and stuff like that don't trip us up. Yeah, so this actually was brought up. Um, so we had our Global Strike Symposium here, I think. All the days are running together for me, but it's either last week or the week before. Um, I can't remember. Um, and it was brought up. Uh, our office actually brought it up. So our SJA, Colonel Gerlach, um, you know, as we were discussing the, the new action order, you know, airman bureaucracy, competition, design implementation. So one of the ideas that we had in there for design implementation was selection, you know, selection of members after docketing. And then there was a big, there was a discussion about that, you know, with um, Global Strike SJA and the NAF SJAs kind of, you know, like this is, uh, this is something. And I believe that he asked the question to TJAG as well during the, so they had, SJAs had a breakout session with TJAC and those the paralegals. We had a breakout session with Chief Oliver. Um, so I believe it was asked, and I, I don't know what the feedback was on that, but it's definitely, you know, it, it's something that's being thought about. It's something that's being discussed um, just because, you know, it makes sense that we select members after docketing because we always have so many issues in selecting members before docketing. We don't, we don't know. We have to, say yeah it might go between this date and this date but and now with you know with defense availability with with covid and everything like that it's impossible to to project when the court is going to go 
Yeah, but you know, court martials is one thing, but um, you know, even convening, um, even convening a discharge board, where uh, I know that's somewhere in our, you know, in our topics, but you know, it's an administrative hearing, and get, and I think somebody just needs to have the the muscle behind them to just click the button and say, hey, we're gonna do it virtually. Does it violate? Does it violate the uh, the respondent's constitutional rights? Um, I don't know. Has anybody tried it? <laughs> like, um, and I think the biggest. I, and I don't know about you, sir, but like for me, I think probably the biggest heartache I have with this whole process. Um, I love innovation. I love it. Um, but give me feedback. If my if my process doesn't work for you. If you see my ERA and you're like, hey, this is great, but do these things to make it a little bit better, or this will get it to where it needs to, right. where it will pass me. That's what I want. But you, the moment you said for your for the members thing that there was this like behind the door discussion, um, I was listening to your podcast with Chief Hamilton, and you know he he talks about being in that being in the room where the decisions are made, right? And that to me is kind of one of the things that I don't know why we do it to ourselves um, as a community. Um, I think if you if you share that feedback, maybe folks will have an idea. Maybe somebody else could, because I don't know about you, but I'm somebody that when somebody gives me a problem, I can see it in my head. I can I can literally visualize everything that I want to do with that with, to solve that problem. And and I can move things around and I can reincorporate things. And um, and to me, if you give me that, if you even say, hey, like, your, your thing's great, this is the problem, it gives me at least a starting point to where I can start thinking of solutions. But if you never give me what the problem areas are, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to make the, that product better? How am I supposed to help people? And that's why I love JI. I love JI because most of the time when they come in, um, they'll look at things like this. Like, you know, I told you about our electronic court martial checklist. Uh, I got told by CMS and Blake, hey, why didn't you do it for 15th? And I was like, boom, right? <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, I didn't think about it. I didn't think mm -hmm. about it. I'm chief, I'm, chief, I'm NCOIC of, you know, military justice. I'm not NCOIC of adverse actions. But it's, it was one of those things where it's like, ha ha ha. So yeah, so, um, if, I, if, if, any of, if any of our leaders are listening out there, give us feedback. Be honest. I don't even care if you're brutal about it. I, I, I can take it. Um, I, I thrive under pressure. I think most of us do. Um, when it comes down to it, that's when you know a real paralegal. You're like, oh, you know, I got X witness that needs to get on the stand. This person over here is trying to get out. I'm trying to do this power of attorney at the front desk and you're trying to do six jobs at once. And guess what? It may suck in the middle of it, but you got it done. And the judge is like, are there eight of you? Because I just saw you do all this stuff in one time period. And it's like, no, we just, we move. Right. Yeah. Yeah, though, uh, especially during that time, we definitely turn superhuman when it comes to, you know, during the court, getting the documents, getting them perfect. Um, yeah, no, like you said, it's, um, it's amazing what can happen. Um, but yeah, no, that was, uh, you know, it's definitely a great discussion. Um, 
on how we can improve and how we can give each, give each other feedback. Because I think that's the important thing. A lot of times we just stop the process, right? We just, this can't work. And if we say this can't work, then we, we're stopping potential, um, you know, improvements to the process. But how can we, you know, we're working, are we getting somewhere? You know, like what, what can it make it better? Um, who can we talk to? Because, um, I mean, we're a small community. I'm sure we can find somebody that can, that can make all our dreams come true <laughs> uh, when it comes to innovation, you know? You need, folks, you need folks that are willing to learn. And I think me and you've talked about this a little bit. You need folks at those higher echelons that can translate um i think the ideas because again like i said it's, i think it's hard for a lot of folks to to hear what you and i are talking about and are like oh my god i i can't envision it you need to show me right. so that's why i'm really excited about this podcast i'm really excited about this new format that we're using now that we've got it kind of in this 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 zone where i'm using it at work um you know, hey, maybe next time we like me and you talked about we pop up a product and we work on it at the same time and maybe we take some you know feedback from the field as we're building it and come up with like this super doc, this super form or the super product right um but that way you give the folks that hey maybe don't have the minds like that and they can just get get it and I, I love that yeah no for sure that'd be that'd be awesome and we can definitely use this format we can bring more people in too right now i have the frame for two people but I can have three, four, five, six people and we can talk about it and just spend it and share it, right? That way there's transparency going on. A lot of times what happens with us, I felt like we we really like we hold on to it tight, we keep it a secret. Um, we've gotta we've gotta share, put it out there and you know, be transparent about the things that we're working on. I think this is and again, um I think this is one of the first times where I've seen that all these ideas that are happening somewhere else that are being put out there for everybody to see. Anybody can, you know, hop in right now. This is hopefully this is going to be safe. You can watch it. You can see, hey, this is the these are the things that are happening somewhere else. But if we can get a team together and we say, OK, we want to work on potentially improving, um, you know, the Article 15 checklist, let's make that electronic. And boom, we can go ahead and start working on it, you know, throwing ideas here and there. People can join in too. You don't have to have a camera. Maybe there's a camera on six of us, but you can be. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to be plugging in our Discord. So we have a Discord and that's how we're doing this. Uh, we're doing this podcast today through Discord and Discord is amazing. I just feel like innovation is a place for innovation to happen. Um, and I know we have a lot of different things. We got Facebook, there's Teams, which Teams is amazing as well. And I don't want, you know, that I definitely advocate for the team. And the new paralegal Q&A forum is amazing. Um, that's a perfect, that's some of the things that we're talking about here with transparency, right? Transparency. Um, you have someone with an issue, you can ask the question and the whole entire field can respond to it. That is revolutionary stuff and the type of thing that we're, that we're talking about. But with Discord, we can have something like this going on that's happening live where we call streaming, like the cool kids calling, you know, we're calling it a podcast, which is also new for someone like me. But now we're calling it streaming. And that's essentially what we're doing through this platform. We can bring in as many people as we, as we can. So I have, we have a comment here from uh, the Air Force paralegal training um, about post a guide for the e-checklist for courts and 15s and teams. So there you go. 
<clears throat> we're gonna have to share that. Me? We're gonna have to share that in. There. I'll, uh, I'll 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 drop the template OneNote in there for you guys, and then that way you can see um, you can see that. And then if you guys want to see a little bit more, uh, just let me know. Because um, I even with the ERA, I like to show folks through. a completed version with the actual builder, um, because I think if you see a completed version and use and use it. Um, it makes it a lot more um, relatable of why you would use it, right? Um, because I think the product speaks for itself. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this was good. I think this is good. We got a lot of information out there. Hopefully, this is like an appetizer to kind of <laughs> get people um, talking about it, um, commenting about it, uh, giving feedback. So I think what I will end up doing is I'm going to break it out because this is, you know, obviously we've gone for like an hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes. Um, but what I want to do is just the topics that we covered, I'll just break it down that way and just post it in chunks. Um, so if people want to hear what we have to say about ERAS, then they can just watch that. If they just interested to know what we talked about for smart checklist, then they can just watch. Um, so we can do I'll it that way. My LOR. <laughs> <laughs> no but see and that's the thing like that we have to in order for i think with the accelerate change or lose action order i think we have to be aggressive <laughs> i just think we do right i think that i think i don't know maybe it's me and if someone thinks that i'm interpreting that action order incorrectly please let me know but it seems like a desperate call for innovation that's the way i'm taking it from the chief of staff it's like they're telling you we need if we don't make things better we're going to lose and that's when we go back to the national defense defense strategy right and it tells us who are who are our enemies and that's where we go with competition right because the sea goes for competition our enemy you know our four enemies what are they doing they're innovating they're making things better they're coming up with all these new ideas what are we doing you know, and what and in our small community, our small legal community, how are we making our force more lethal, um, more ready, right? Because by us getting this process right and by us getting this process fast, you know, doing it fast, making our metrics, the quicker we get a ready, a lethal ready force, because the quicker we get those individuals out there, you know, hanging out there for discipline under investigation or whatever the case may be, the sooner we get justice for them. And if it's just an Article 15 for rehabilitation, then the sooner we get down the Article 15, the sooner we get them back in the fight. Um, we but, are a big part of you know, what of the national defense strategy. Yeah, my bad. Go ahead. You you kind of hit something that I feel passionate about because you know when uh, when I get to meet here with Chief Sparks, my biggest thing is for us innovators uh, that are out there. You know, hey. If you're cool with coming to do like the eight to five or the eight to four, good on you. You're doing what you need to do, right? You're in that metal meets. Um, I'm always trying to be out there. Um, and for me, that means that we have to start affecting change, not just in the JAG Corps, but with, uh, with the Air Force. And I think the unique uh, thing that we have is we're small, right? There, 
everywhere you go, we're small, but we're also tight knit, right? What other career field do you know has bios where you can look up the person that you're gonna work with before you meet them, right? So if we're this small, we can affect a lot of change around the Air Force, not just with the way we process our 15s and things of that nature, but also our, our additional duties and our, our places in the community. Imagine, imagine right now here at, at USAPA, we have a file that we share with OSI and security forces. So when they're finished with an ROI, they just drop it into that share file and then we can pick it up. If, if what happens if I'm a school office superintendent, I'm an RA and I want my, and I want my finance folks to be able to have access to, you know, all of my, my pivot table and my track, my Excel tracker, because at the end of the day, if they have access to it, it's easier for them to get feedback. We're talking about if we can establish this in one office, right? And then at your office and the next office and so on and so forth, we started a trend that now, okay, finance is going to start doing that. Cops are going to start doing that. And now everybody's replicating us. We've created a better community that shares information and communication on a, on a grand scale, which there's no more waiting for emails. There's no more going over to, you know, do, do this one little form or having meetings to, the meetings are substantive. It's not just going over reports. It's, hey, FY21, we're trying to buy these things and we've got all this stuff already set out. Tell us what else you need so we can make this purchase at the end of the fiscal year instead of doing it at 10 o'clock. Right. That's, that's where we need to be. No, absolutely. I, you know, I agree with you a hundred percent. We're, we're discussing and, you know, it, it'll come out that I, I'm normally, I normally don't get animated, <laughs> but when I talk about this specific subject, um, it hit the nerve for whatever reason, you know, cause I know where we can be, you know, and it's not just me. Like there's people, you know, there, there's people out there that know exactly, you know, within the paralegal, we have so much talent in the paralegal career field. I get amazed every single time I'm talking to people um, out and about with the paralegal community. We have a lot of talent. Um, we know where we can be. We know we can be. How do we get there? You know, how do we get to yes? So, and you're right. We can be the trendsetters for our. So we, we start within our little community and then WSA, Wingstaff agencies, they'll start looking at the things that we're seeing. and They'll push up for that as well. Or push with that run with it so i think that deserves a, a jack nicholson here you can't handle the truth you can't oh oh i'm gonna go back to the yep, up that's right go back to our song but all right well this was a great discussion um i'm hoping that some people got the opportunity to be a part of it um to kind of listen to it but if not it's all right because we're going to post this on the iTunes, on the Air Force, Air Force Paralegal Podcast, iTunes, and we're going to post it on the YouTube channel. So I think this stays here. The live version just records and you can just come back and watch it anytime. But I'll split it up as well so that we can, you know, whatever subject that we want to know about that discussion, then we can do that. Um, I do want to thank Sergeant Quinto. So Sergeant Quinto, he's the... Um, uh, special victims paralegal here at Whiteman Air Force Base, but he helps me um, a lot when it comes to the paralegal podcast, scheduling people, reaching out to people, because sometimes I'm bad about 
<laughs> that's the thing that I'm probably most bad about is just because I'm like, yeah, I want to do it, but I never get around scheduling everything. So he does that. I also want to thank Airman First Class Gilbert. So he's the military justice paralegal at the office, at the legal office here um, at Whiteman Air Force Base. He's motivated and he here he volunteered to be our moderator just in case someone, you know, we didn't have a lot of traffic today. Hopefully we'll have more traffic uh, moving forward. Um, but just mind, you never know who would have walked in and start saying some crazy stuff. So he, he was, you know, monitoring, making sure so that we can focus on the discussion. But definitely a shout out um, to Ehrman Gilbert. And obviously, thank you, Sergeant Sanchez. And I hope that we can continue this conversation because I'm looking at it and I, I'm going to count, but I'm sure this is going to grow by the time we do the second one. Um, there are one, two, three, four, five six topics that we didn't cover as far as um innovation that is equally as impactful as the things that we just discussed so um yeah well thank you sir it's been it's been awesome and i'm i'm glad we started this conversation i'll say that that's right i did too so innovation oh and also um before i forget um so senior master sergeant mcquarter uh, she's the eighth Air Force uh, uh, paralegal manager. So the um, NAF paralegal manager, uh, she essentially is the one of the owners or the moderators for the innovation um, or the channel in the Teams page. So definitely a shout out to her. But we're also there. So Sergeant Chances, Sanchez and myself are part of that channel. And we're going to be also. So if you have any questions or anything like that, you can feel free to post it that channel we're trying to keep the discussion and the conversation going um in there as well and we welcome like like you said we welcome all ideas all feedback um definitely shoot it to us and that's cool. it with that we're gonna check out have a good night sergeant sanchez is uh kind of late over there kind of late over here um but yeah we'll do this next time Yes, sir. All right. Appreciate it.